0: Good evening and welcome to episode 12 of Poetic Plonk. This week we'll be exploring a poem from a poetry book that I was kindly gifted by two close friends of mine. And the poem is very much a classical poem from the 1700s. So let's get straight into it. Let's get into episode 12. (laughs) This evening, we'll be delving into the world of Felicia Dorothea Hemans, an English Romantic poet. And I think it's fair to say that, for the majority of the past episodes, we've explored a fair few American poets. So it was about time to hop across the pond and explore a British poet and poem. And Felicia Hemans was born in the 18th century. More specifically, 1793 in the port city of Liverpool, in the northwest of England. And Hemans was actually one of seven children, and very much born towards the end, being the fifth child. And her father was a merchant, who had very much made the use out of Liverpool being a port city. But unfortunately, not everything went smoothly for him, meaning the family was short of bees and honey. They had financial issues. This meant that the family of seven had to pack their things and head to Wales in 1800, where Felicia would have been just seven years old at the time. And as with most poets, Hemans developed a love for words on paper from a very young age. And she was sure to read books from her family's home library, which I find quite intriguing because I mean, having a home library when you're struggling for money kind of contradicts itself, but that's what the research says another thing that I came across was that Hemans' mother was actually fluent in several languages, meaning that Hemans spoke different languages straight from the get-go. And therefore, with such passion for literature and language, it wasn't really a huge surprise to the family that at the age of 14, Felicia took it upon herself to publish her very own first poetry collection. And interestingly, she titled her first collection Poems, which is very direct, straight to the point, and doesn't really leave any room for interpretation. But unfortunately, as critics often do, they got their hands on her collection and absolutely destroyed and massacred the first poetry collection. And obviously, at the age of 14, Hemans had plenty of room for development and improvement. But, publishing your collection will very much leave you open to the brutal judgment from external critics. They'll always be there to give you any critique they can, or if you've done exceptionally well, then they will applaud you. But I wouldn't let that take away from her talent or intellect at all. After all, she was just 14 at the time, therefore you can't really expect absolute greatness from such a young person. Which leads me to a quote that i came across from felicia's sister she stated that felicia could repeat pages of poetry from her favorite authors after having read them but once over and this goes to show not just Hemans's intellectual prowess but also the fact that she was quite possibly blessed with a photographic memory and to move on to her love life as she is after all a romantic poet Felicia fell in love with military Captain Alfred and married him in eighteen twelve very shortly after they became a couple. But I think that was very much a sign of the times. I guess back then it wasn't really uncommon at all to marry at the age of eighteen. In fact, I'd imagine it would have been expected. life expectancy was much shorter, and therefore, having children was very high on the priority list, and Felicia and Alfred went on to raise five children, but unfortunately in 1818, Alfred did not return home from Italy and Felicia was then forced to raise the children alone. But due to her poetic penmanship and intellect, Hemans was able to earn a good living as a poet and she didn't struggle to support her family financially. So, before we move on to the poem for today, there is still the question, of what was Hemans known for in her poetry? Well, her narrative structures and her ability to write very emotional verses, expressing her opinions and feelings of society at the time were the appeal. Felicia often responded to the concerns of women by romanticizing the woman's role and their relationships. Hence the fact that she is indeed a romantic poet. And lastly, Hemans's portrayal of cultural ideals offered comfort and support to her readers, who found a solace when reading her poetry. So, without further ado, this is Casabianca by Felicia Hemans. The boy stood on the burning deck whence all but he had fled. The flame that lit the battle's wreck shone round him o'er the dead. Yet beautiful and bright he stood, as born to rule the storm. A creature of heroic blood, a proud, though childlike form. The flames rolled on, he would not go. Without his father's word, that father faint in death below. His voice no longer heard. He called aloud, say father say if yet my task is done he knew not that the chieftain lay unconscious of his son speak father once again he cried if i may yet be gone and but the booming shots replied and fast the flames rolled on upon his brow he felt their breath and in his waving hair and looked from that lone post of death in still yet brave despair And shouted but once more aloud. My father, must I stay? While over him fast. Through sail and shroud, the wreathing fires made way. They wrapped the ship in splendor wild. They caught the flag on high. And streamed above the gallant child like banners in the sky. There came a burst of thunder sound. The boy. Oh, where was he? Ask of the winds that far around, with fragments strewed the sea. With mast and helm and pennon fair, that well had borne their part. But the noblest thing which perished there was that young, faithful heart. So let's start with the overall message of the poem, loyalty. This moving poem explores a young boy's loyalty to his captain, who in turn is also his father. Whether this loyalty comes across as irrational or naive, in my opinion, it has little to do with the overarching message of the poem. But the boy's loyalty to the cause and the army that he is with, coupled with the love and respect for his father and his father's military position. Now, the young boy clearly doesn't realize that his father is dead or at least missing at this point in time, meaning that the boy is waiting for orders to leave the ship facing certain death. And unfortunately, as we hear in the poem, he asks over and over again, but he has met with no reply from his father. And due to the boy's loyalty, he simply remains stood, waiting for his commands like a soldier even in such a dire situation. And even though we're never given the boy's age, the fact that Hemans not only uses the word boy, but also childlike form to describe him, shows that Hemans wants to make it clear to us that he is a very young child, which then in my mind creates the question of why is he even on the ship? Surely if he's that young, then he shouldn't be in a war a battle or even on a ship that's involved in one. But actually when reading the poem I developed sympathy for him which I didn't really expect even though it is more than reckless for him to simply wait around for orders. But if you think about it at his age he probably doesn't know any better. If his father is a military captain, then I imagine he was raised with a strict upbringing and was always given clear directions on what he should and shouldn't be doing. But those are just my assumptions, not facts. But the sympathy, the sympathy I think came from Hemans' use of imagery, particularly right at the start of the poem when she's setting the scene. The line, the flame that lit the battle's wreck, shone round him, o'er the dead. Put simply, he's engorged by flames with nowhere to go. And this not only shows the vulnerability of the boy in the situation, but also the horror that he's witnessing with his own eyes. And if you just take a second, close your eyes and put yourself in the situation that he is in, on a ship in battle surrounded by flames, then the imagery says it all. But Hemans then goes on to form a deeper connection between us and the boy through lines such as yet bright and beautiful he stood as born to rule the storm a creature of heroic blood up until this point i think we're just thinking of him as a reckless and naive boy loyal to the cause and not his own life but Hemans portrays him as brave heroic and strong, especially with the line, as born to rule the storm. This in turn leans us more towards the sympathetic side where we might feel a bit sorry for him. For me anyway, I find his actions here honorary and commendable as I definitely wouldn't remain this loyal in such a fatal situation. So how does this make you feel as a reader? Do you feel sorry for him? Have some admirability for him? Or do you think he should have just hopped off the ship and forgotten about his loyalty? Now I'd like to delve into one last bit of exploration before we go into the structure and form of the poem. I came across an intriguing bit of analysis online of the final stanza in the poem and this didn't jump out to me at all after reading the poem multiple times but when I actually did a bit of research online. And the analysis states that the speaker who was merely an observer throughout the rest of the poem actually becomes active and emotionally invested in the latter part of the poem, the line, the boy, oh, where was he? The use of exclamation marks here emphasizes the emotional desperation and investment in the situation of the observer who is now very much invested in what's going on, but also the naivety of the observer, who asks the rhetorical question, where was he? In that situation, there isn't really many scenarios where the young boy wouldn't have either burned to death or drowned in the sea. And therefore, the observer must know where he was. And the poem then goes on to tell us that all parts of the ship could be found in the sea. And also, the noblest thing to have perished in the sea was the young boy's body. And the use of young faithful hearts again draws on our sympathetic emotions because he was just a young and naive boy, loyal to a cause and that has to be respected. No matter what, until the very end, he wouldn't do any different than what his father was going to tell him to do. And sure, after reading the poem multiple times, There is still a lingering part of me that doesn't want to feel too sorry for him because of his naivety. But after all, no one is rational at such a young age when we hold such a parental figure in such high esteem. And therefore, I think you have to respect his actions and admire him for his loyalty and love for his father. So I'd like to finish by exploring the structure and the form of the poem itself. And Hemans uses the 10 stanzas to portray her story of loyalty. That's clear, but she uses a very notable poetry form and rhyming scheme. They're called quatrains. Quatrains are defined as stanzas made up of four lines with multiple alternate rhymes. And this form essentially enables poets to experiment with different rhyme schemes and in turn shape their poem. And in this poem itself it enables consistency throughout and after doing a wee bit of research online I found out that this poem uses an ABAB rhyming scheme and this means that the first line in the stanza a will rhyme with a later on in the stanza as a pair so if we take the first stanza as a whole for example the boy stood on the burning deck whence all but he had fled The flame that lit the battle's wreck shone round him o'er the dead. The first line uses deck at the end which rhymes with the third line wreck and the second and fourth lines in this stanza also have a rhyming pair in fled and dead. And therefore this shows how the rhyming scheme here is ABAB. And I just wanted to touch on that an experiment with this in the episode because I haven't really delved into the, the different rhyming schemes that can be used within a poem because to be honest I'm not that educated on it myself so to delve into that in this episode was very interesting for me to do the research and then bring it across to you guys. So that brings us to the end of this episode and thank you very much for tuning in and if you're enjoying what you're listening to or if not, then please do let me know. So, have a good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. I'll see you on the next one.